Hi, this is Robert of Avenue Park, and you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is a musician, an author, a game designer, a pretty capable carpenter, in addition to being the captain of the airship Ophelia. We are happy to welcome Robert Brown from Abney Park to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you, Kathleen. I'm very delighted to be here. Hey, thank you for joining us. We're excited about this. So I have been a fan of Abney Park for about nine years now. My husband actually introduced me to your music with Steampunk Revolution off the Ancient World album, which nice. is still one of my favorite songs. But your newest album, Giants of Iron and Steam, is different in any of the 20 plus albums that you've released before. What sets it apart from the others? Well, so technically it's not an Abney Park album, so to speak, but it is all of Abney Park, but it's kind of more than that as well. So, you know, all of Abney Park is on the album um, and I, I wrote and, and sing in it as well, but it's actually a musical um, with a full cast of professional actors. And uh, we, it's it's sort of a musical audio book, if that makes any sense. It does. So so it's it's a whole fully dramatized story with a, with a, with a huge plot. Um, and also about 18 different songs. So it is kind of a, a big deal. And I, I could be wrong, but to me, I, for at least from my standpoint, I feel like this is sort of unique in the universe. I don't think I've ever seen a musical album before. The only exception to that is that I know that uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, when he first wrote Jesus Christ Superstar, um, he couldn't find any stage that would accept such a controversial topic as that. And so he released that first as an album, and then the album got very popular, had a bunch of number one hits off of it, and then eventually they turned it into a huge uh, Broadway musical, and then they turned it into a movie, and so, you know, fingers crossed, maybe something like that will happen to me. Probably not, but that'd be- Hey, but that would be amazing if it did. That would be really cool. cool. Yeah. It would, it would. So as the um, non-musical resident (laughs) here- Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, Tim, I got to jump in. Um, I was watching a bunch of you guys' episodes to get, <laughs> to, get, to get familiar with this, and I was watching your Star Wars episode, and I'm just sort of scrolling through to see what you're covering, and it immediately jumps in with the phrase, I don't like musicals. <laughs> and it's like five minutes ago, and I'm like, great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I'm, you know, it's one of those things where they're not my favorite. I've, I've made that abundantly clear over the years. I I've, have tried a couple different ones. The only one that I've been able to wrap my teeth around, we did a, uh, I did a five at five for here on Pop Culture Addicts called uh, about the show on Apple TV Plus called Schmigadoon. And oh yeah, that's, that's that, terrible. That entertained me quite, quite a lot actually. Um, I was actually <laughs> very also, surprised. You also liked Pitch Perfect, and you're trying to claim that that's not a music. <laughs> that's there were songs so. in it. There was music in it, but you know, yeah. I mean, come on, who, who doesn't love Fat Amy? I mean, all oh, right, she's just fantastic. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking about that, you know, because and the only other the only other musical that I've actually really ever gotten behind was mm-hmm. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And 
again, I've been to a bunch of different musicals. My wife will no longer take me uh, with her, uh, mainly because she's tired of me asking, so what's going on? Why are they yelling at each other? What are they singing about? Who, who, what? Okay, well, so I got one for you. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, the character in my musical that is about to come out, um, the, the cast member who plays the role of uh, Mary Parks actually played Christine Daae in the touring version of Phantom of the Opera. Whoa. Oh, neat. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Told you we had a good cast. You, that is an impressive voice, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, Those are some hard phenomenal. songs. Yeah. Yep. She's phenomenal. I'll have to share that with my wife. I mean, I'll have to play it for her because I won't remember the name, but I'll have to play yeah. it for her and uh, tell her, look, this is this is the thing. Uh, but yeah, she'll probably be very interested in that. But I, I was thinking about, you know, you said, you know, it was recorded as an album and, and things. So I'm just trying to make sense of this in my mind as the non-musical uh, entity here when they make soundtracks of the it's like it's like a soundtrack of of the musical and things i always assumed that that was the entirety of of those like when they release like lay Miz and things like that so that that's something different and it's just the individual songs mm-hmm. not what ha- not what happening between the songs yep yeah as okay. far as i know yeah I, okay except, i mean i think hamilton is an exception to that because there's only like two spoken sentences other than the song technically makes hamilton an opera it does which is a little interesting it's a rap opera which it's a rap opera i think yeah, it's fantastic that's, <laughs> yeah it's pretty badass a rapra a rapra all right so cool and now when does the the musical version of this get released um the you're talking about the album yes uh oh uh may 27th it's actually okay. on my birthday this year so in a couple hey. of weeks there we go. All right, cool. So we'll make sure that... Uh, That's yeah. a really cool birthday present. Yeah. Well, the way I figured is, if I put it on sale in the morning of my birthday, then the whole day of my birthday, I can watch the sales come in and I'm guaranteed to have a good birthday. It's, it's, a, solid, it's a solid plan. That is a I, wonderful plan. I applaud I applaud the thing in there, sir. Very good. As you may have noticed on other interviews, because you said you went back and you watched uh, some of the pain that we put other people through. <laughs> But you, you notice that a lot of times we like to find out about people's backgrounds, their backstories, origin stories, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we love to hear them because, well, we're nerds and we like to know origin stories. And there's always a cool origin story, whether somebody thinks it's cool or not. I love hearing what people got to the point or got people to the point of where they are today. So in your case, Robert, what were your musical influences growing up that made you uh, or influenced you to the point of wanting to cr- pursue a career in music? Yeah, boy, that's a huge question. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it under an hour long. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But, I... uh, yeah, so, so I mean, I, I, I went to high school in the 80s, and so a whole lot of 80s music was a big influence to me. Um, I also, actually, when I was in high school and for a few years following that, I starred in a lot of musicals, believe it or not. Um, and they got to be a certain point where... I sort of got a little bit fed up with the quality of the music of the musicals that I was in. And so I decided that I was going to start my own band. I went to a music school in London, uh, University of London, actually, and took a, took a bunch of music classes there and started writing music. And at the time, I think I was listening to stuff like Depeche Mode and Sushi and the Banshees and that kind of thing. I think okay. I just said Sushi and the Banshees which would be a totally different band. But, um, but yeah, so I listened to a lot of that sort of darker 80s, sort of post-punk kind of stuff. And then um, I started writing my own material just about, I think just about the, my first year of college. 
and came back to America a few years later and sort of my first band and kind of been doing that for 30 years since. Oh, and styles of music, you would ask. And I don't think I've even answered that. I kind of am a, a, a whore genre-wise. Like I listen to every style of music that there is, lots of world music, uh, a lot of different folk musics from different countries. Um, I'm sort of constantly trying to grab unusual styles and throw them into the mix. Everything from like uh, swing to like cotton club style jazz to, to like rock and roll to dance music. Like I honestly, if there's anything that I haven't thrown into the fold, it's just because I haven't got to it yet. I sort of just throw everything in there um, and hope people like it. Yeah. No, I, I love that though. I love that your, your musical tastes are well-rounded. I love that. I love it when people don't, I mean, it's okay to have a favorite and, you know, and that that's the one that, you know, maybe uh, your, your safety, safe, your comfort that you kind of come back to, you know, over yeah. and over again. But I love it when people listen to a little bit of everything. I'm, I also have a very eclectic music taste. You know, you can, you can hop onto my uh, Apple music and I'll have everything in there from Perry Como to seven dust and a little bit in between uh, here yeah. and there. Um, but I think it's important that we, Especially, I love it to hear that from a musician as well, to hear that they have all these different influences coming in on them as, as they're out making music for, for people to consume and things like that. I have a tendency to use up music really fast. I find something that I love, and then I just listen to it like 24 hours a day for like three months, and then I can't hear it anymore because I've heard it so much. So I'm sort of constantly being thrown in these new directions as I use up stuff. Uh, somebody will come out with a new album, I will listen to that album until I have it memorized. And in a couple of weeks, I now need more. That that gets reflected in Abney Park's music too, that through your albums, none of them sound the same. There are similarities. Yeah. You can tell that it's the same band, but you have... I've often wondered if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Every so often a fan will complain, I only liked this one album, they'll say. And I'll be like, okay, but I wrote it. You know, right. you can still listen to it. It still exists. Right, but you have the the differences between Souls from Lullabies and Minnie the Moocher and Steampunk Revolution. You have those different jumps. You have those different feels, which is great because when you're in a certain mood and it's the, I want to listen to a song that I know is going to make me cry today, you listen to Souls from <laughs> Lullabies. Like, yeah. you know that that one's going to make you cry and it's going to make you say, damn it, Robert, which is frequently yeah. what my husband says when I hear that song start playing, but it's the... Because we have a three-year-old. We have a three-year-old. So that song hits hard. Yeah. That hits it would, it would hard. Do that. But, so jumping back to Giants of Iron and Steam again, because I do love musicals. Yes, you do. A lot. I was also the drama kid, the theater kid. Um, nice. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So you usually write for the band with yourself as the lead vocalist, but with this cast of vocalists, each has a different range, each has a different voice. So how did that affect your writing, not just in the terms of the key range, but even in the instrumentation and the arrangements? It was really, really challenging because if, you know, if I'm writing for, like, there, there, there's a teenage girl character in, in Giants of Iron and Steam, uh, Effie Winters, and she's one of the leads. And I had to sing this so that it would sound good, sung in a teenage girl's much higher range than mine. So... I haven't decided whether I'm going to do that, do this or not, but there is a whole version of this musical with me singing all of the parts. I with would me singing the, the, the romantic 
boy, the romantic girl, two me's singing to each other. Singing a love ballad to yourself. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, no, it it was crazy because I had to, I I wrote the musical the same way that I would write an album, which is that I recorded all of the parts myself and then I would send them off to cast members. And I'd have to be forgiving of myself if the notes went really, really high and my voice started to crack up there. I have to be like, okay, okay, okay. Just remember, it doesn't matter because nobody's going to hear this. (laughs) Maybe. I, I think you could release it as bonus content. I could release, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll oh, do that. If I that's, feel like embarrassing myself. That smells of Patreon. <laughs> it, yeah. does. it does. You know, some of the songs I really, really liked how they sounded in my voice. And, and I would love for people to hear that as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do that. I really like the idea of listening to you sing a love ballad to yourself. That just. <laughs> hey, Prince did it all the time. <laughs> So it, it, when you sing that love ballad, are you singing it in different vocal ranges for to reflect the different characters or are you just singing it as you? No, different, definitely different vocal ranges because I had to. Well, and that was that was one of the fun things about doing this is when I'm writing for Abney Park, whatever I write, I have to be able to take it on stage and, and take it on tour. And so I can't really write a lot of complex harmonies or like few sort of back and mm-hmm. forths with vocals, because there's only going to be me singing. And so with Giants of Iron and Steam, I could take a, you know, write a three-part song where three different parts are interweaving and singing at the same time, and, you know, or a six-part or a ten-part song in a way that I just can't do with Abney Park stuff. So it really gave me a whole lot more uh, canvas to paint on. I am. I'm so excited for this. Like... Oh, I'm glad. As you've been teasing about it and hinting about it on your Facebook. And I'm like, we've been talking about this for weeks. Oh my gosh, I want it. No, that's great. That's great. I mean, it's such an unusual thing in audiobook musical, but I really have no idea, you know, what people are thinking about this. So I'm glad to hear at least there's one person out there that's excited about it. There's at least two. John's excited too, but. They're they're both very excited. So trust me. All right. So Robert, according to Apple Music, and Kathleen, uh, your band oh, yeah. has released uh, over 20 albums. And if I'm not mistaken, your last release came out on streaming services on March 6th-ish. We'll say ish. Six-ish. Um, that might be true. Okay. Um, I could be mistaken. We normally release them late in the year. What, what, what album are they calling the last release? Oh, I'd have to pull that back up. I didn't write that down. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, yeah, maybe. Oh, well, now I have to prove it to myself. So hold on one second. I'm already there. Techno Shanties. Oh, that was uh, 2021. Oh, yeah. um, so that was, especially during the pandemic, we had so much downtime because we couldn't tour during the whole lockdown. Um, we released a lot of material. So we were really kind of doing two releases a year. There would be one like studio album full of originals. And then we'd also have like a themed other kind of album. Techno Shanties was basically sea shanties done in like a modern dance mm-hmm. music style. Mm-hmm. And so that, I would call that sort of an in-between album, if that makes sense. And then the actual album that we released that year was the Subaquatic Opera. Um, and that is actually all original music. Now, I might not have released that digitally yet, now that you mention it, because okay, you get sites like Spotify and Apple Music, where everybody sort of gets every single song for 10 bucks a month and then the bands don't get paid. I'm mm-hmm. kind of getting less motivated to release our material that way. 
because we don't get paid for it. <laughs> so right. I might not have released that one yet. So two things. Number one, when I ask a question, I should probably include the year of the release, not just the, the, the date. Well, in the middle of the pandemic, time hasn't mattered. And who knows what year it is anymore? Well, that's yeah. true. There is that. But yeah, so on, on Apple Music, the last, so there's Techno Shanties in 2021. There's Estosterica in 2020, then uh, Iconoclast yeah. in 2019. So that was the the last couple releases that we see on Apple on Apple Music. And actually, your answer there actually led right into my next question very well because I didn't build it well, but I, you know, you got to it anyway. <laughs> so you you started sharing your thoughts on on the age of digital music. So although it, yeah. the the payment is not the same for you as an artist. Do you feel it increases your visibility or is, and does it, is that an added plus or is, is there still too large of a takeaway for what you get out of the digital music age? So here, here's the metaphor that I've used when I've tried to explain this to, to people who are super excited about the digital music age. If you grew apples and you were a farmer, say, say it's medieval times and you're a farmer and you, you got a wheelbarrow full of the apples you grew and you rolled your apples into market and the king, let's just say the king does this, is giving away free apples. You, your apples are now worthless. Nobody gives a crap about your apples anymore because they're being, apples are being given away for free. So what ends up happening is when all of these sites do this, where they just they take the music without permission and they just start distributing it, it takes all of the value away from what we used to support ourselves with. And so the band ends up being forced into finding ways to make a living other than just the honest job of I make an album and I sell it. Now, we've got really wonderful fans and a lot of them just continue to buy the music from us anyway. Nowhere near as many as listen to us for free on sites like Spotify. Um, but still, we still have we, we're still selling hundreds and hundreds of CDs every release um, and all that kind of stuff. But we have to struggle to figure out how to turn uh, enough profit from our music to support a family and all of the musicians as well. When, if people were just buying the music they were listening to, you know, we'd probably be rich. Honestly, if you look at our Spotify numbers. So right. yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a huge destructive thing to the industry and it's forced bands into doing things like, you know, begging through different sites and, you know, please donate to our band so that we can continue to make music and all that kind of stuff. It's not the way it should have been. Sure. Um, but once it, once it started happening, there's no way to go back. Because like I said, even if you stop bringing your apples to market, people are still going to go to market and get free apples. So you're just cutting yourself out. Right. So yeah, Pandora's so this, box has been open for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that they can close the box again. I wish they would. <laughs> well, and, I, and I know that some bands have, have taken to releasing, like you mentioned, CDs. There's still a lot of CDs being released, but other bands have also gone to releasing vinyl and things like that. I'm a vinyl collector myself. And so I think that a lot of kids, you know, the, and I say the kids, and I truly mean kids in this instance, not just Kathleen, but a, a lot of the, the younger kids who have, who have grown up on the age of digital music don't understand the thrill of opening an album. And yeah. reading the liner notes and listen, you know, reading the lyrics as as the songs playing from your favorite band and and all these different things. I think there's so much of that that has been lost. And it's one of the things that I have personally have truly enjoyed about getting back into vinyl a couple of years ago is that being as big a music fan as I am, it gave me a connection back to some of the bands that I wanted to follow and, and pay more attention to. It gave me that connection. I'm I'm also a big vinyl fan. Um, and I will take the whole family to the record store and be like, 
you guys can get any record that you want. It has to be a record. You know, you can't, you can't so, and, and the family's got, we've got a big record collection that's growing and I, I love it as well. Uh, financially speaking, from the band standpoint, vinyl is really expensive and really risky. Yeah. So it costs me about six times as much for a very small run of vinyl records as it would for thousands of CDs to be to be manufactured. And then the vinyl can break when shipping. Not only does it cost a ton to ship, it's very it breaks a lot. And so that means the the profit margin that you're making is getting really small as things are breaking and getting lost in the mail. So vinyl is a really neat thing. I love it, but I think. For a band at our level, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. We do have one vinyl record out, um, and it, it's been sold out for years. Um, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled that we had that. Um, but so far, I haven't figured out how to make that work financially. Understood. Perhaps perhaps a fundraiser. That, that could be a thing where it would make sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, like a crowdfunded type type situation might might be a good idea. I think in the steampunk community, that that's something that you could do very easily with the hey, we're going to make vinyl records. We're going to go back to the non-digital. We're going to go back to the, the physical media. And I feel like that's something that your fans would get behind you with. I mean, as they did with the first one, that they would they would jump on the, the vinyl bandwagon for that one. Yeah, I should, I should ask fans and see what they say. Yeah, definitely. Might not hurt. Might not be a bad idea. And I've, and I've also seen that a lot of, <laughs> this made me laugh because, uh, I put down my my pencil rewinder a long time ago, but they're even start. Some bands are starting to re- bring back cassette. Ooh. And- we actually okay. So this is a funny story. We actually did a cassette, um, and it was it was part of one of our live concert things. So one of the perks you could get is a cassette player and a Walkman to play it in because we assumed that nobody had it. Oh, so, that's fantastic! So it was an Abney Park best of cassette and a little Walkman, and of the I think like. 955 people bought tickets to that concert one person bought that oh just one <laughs> yeah so i would have bought it I, if nothing else I just for the nostalgia when i bought it in the mail because you know I, I get the manufactured cassette back and um we sold we sold more cassettes only one person bought the one that came with the walkman but i'm looking at the walkman and look at this cassette and i'm like oh i want this so bad and actually, my youngest daughter, she's 16-year-old, like, hip teenager. She has a Walkman and a collection of, I think, three cassettes that she'll go jogging with this. So there, there is a coolness vibe to this. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love that the things that were not cool when I was a kid are suddenly cool. That's Yeah. <laughs> I loved my Walkman. I, Everything comes box. back around. I loved the big boomboxes. Right. I, I mean, I was, I'm a 90s kid. So it was the the transition from the cassette to the C, to the mobile CD players. So if you yeah. still had a cassette, you still had a Walkman. That was not as cool as the fact that you could have a CD player that was still this big and you couldn't actually fit it in your pocket. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. The, the CD player Walkman were actually bigger. Like a Sony Walkman was the size of a right. cassette tape. CD Walkman were like, I mean, they were like sweatshirt pocket. You could fit them in there, but yeah. there was no other pocket that thing was fitting in. You know what? Fanny pouch. That's true. There you go. <laughs> that is true. I remember, I remember Velcroing that to my dashboard in my car so that it wouldn't nice. bounce around. Yeah, it's good times. <laughs> Classic. Oh, goodness. Classic. Good times. So as we've been talking about the the pandemic and the fact that time no longer matters, the last couple of years have been incredibly difficult for the performing arts because of 
not being able to go and tour, not being able to have live shows. And a lot of musicians have had to put their careers on hold or pursue other ways of supporting themselves as a result of that. But you guys live streamed concerts from the studio you're standing in right now, which is fantastic. That was so, super cool. Oh, here's some here's a little inside scoop that I don't think I've told anybody. Ooh. Um, so yeah, you guys will be the first people to hear this. So when the pandemic first hit and everything went into lockdown, there was one week where our next two years worth of concerts, every every concert canceled one after another after another because of the lockdowns. And the promoters are they're calling me up and they're like, We are so sorry. It's not even our decision. The 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 government of the state we're in has said no public gathering. And so we watched our entire careers fade in about a week. And I went into panic mode because it's not just me. I've got a family. I've got a wife and kids and uh, Mm -hmm. dogs and chickens and a parrot. Like there was so many mouths to feed. Yeah, Tiki. Yeah, so many mouths to feed. And so um, I went into this panic mode and I'm like, how am I going to make a living? We can't, because when people stopped buying albums and just started streaming it, the income from albums went away. And so we started playing lots of live shows to try to get the income back up. So then when the live shows went away too, I'm just like, crap. So I sort of did what I normally do is I I shot in all these different directions at once, trying to figure out, you know, threw my nets out into the sea and trying to figure out what I could pick up. And before I stumbled across streaming concerts, which ended up being the savior, there was a period of about three months where I did voice acting, um, which I, I narrated audiobooks. But basically, an Abney Park fan was like, I know this is a long shot, but I run this publishing company. Would you be willing to do narration on these things? And I'm like, I just need any paycheck I can get. Right. Um, I, ju- I just got to keep the band afloat. And so, yeah. So I did, I did a bunch of voice acting, um, and I think maybe that's what might have sort of helped bring this musical around about, because when I, when I started to work on the musical, I realized I could do it like an audio book um, and, and cool. do voice acting, get a big cast, write the music. And so, yeah, the way we ended up uh, surviving was we, 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 just on a whim, we stuck a camera in the corner of the room and asked fans, would you buy tickets to this? Yes. And... <laughs> thousands of fans said yes and bought tickets and it saved us. And actually the, the whole band, uh, the band members of Abney Park are typically in several different bands at once. And we were the only gig in town. Every, all of everybody's jobs just totally went away. And I mean, I, I've been told by our viola player, Aleda, uh, said, point blank to me that if it wasn't for Abney Park doing those live streaming concerts, she would have had to give up being a musician permanently. She said it was the only way she could continue to be a musician. So fans buying tickets to streaming concerts have has saved Abney Park. And and live shows are starting to trickle back in, but it's nowhere near an income now. Right. So hopefully fans keep coming to these streaming concerts. I was going to say, do you think that with live shows coming back and being a thing again, do you think you're going to continue this, the live streams? I well? will do the live streaming concerts as long as people buy tickets. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. And I've sent a lot of money into this thing. Right, <laughs> right. Cameras and monitors and speakers and an automated light system. Tim, I don't know if you've, seen any of our live streaming concerts but 
there's a lot of technology going on. And yeah, now that I've got it, might as well use it. It's really cool. There you go. So you had kind of mentioned doing a performance of Giants of Iron and Steam that way too. Do you think that that would be something you could potentially actually do or... Yeah, so uh, I would love uh, to find a theater that wanted to put it on. Um, one of the reasons why I haven't done a musical earlier than this is it's a, a very uh, costly production, and you've got to you got to make sure that you can make your numbers mm -hmm. at the end of the game. You have to pay for this huge theater and pay a cast and pay an orchestra and, and crew and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think the only way that this would work well staged live would be in some sort of a big neighborhood. Uh, Ashland would be a great town for this to be in, mm -hmm. um, especially because a lot of the musical is set in the forests of like the Northwest. So I think the, the, the themes and the history uh, that, that's in this would actually go really well at a theater in Ashland. Um, but yeah, I think it would need to be a, an established theater where the people knew what they were doing, knew how to make something like this work. I like okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm still, every time we talk about the musical, I'm like, yay. <laughs> nice. That's, so John and I actually saw you in um, Ypsilanti oh, six years ago. I think it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Cause we went to the bar afterward with you and we talked about homeschooling and chickens and that was hilarious to everybody. Did like, you remember which, what the event was? I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture which, you, which show this was. Oh, it was just, you just came for one night in Ipsy. In, 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 yeah. Oh boy. I mean, I remember, I remember doing it and I remember going to, to, to dinner with you and John. Can't remember the event either. Yeah. I, it was just a single concert, but it was so funny. It's like, I was like this. I was giddy and giggly like this for weeks leading up to going to your concert because that was my first concert experience. I had uh, been, I had been to musicals. I had been to orchestras. I had been to band performances, but I had never been to a concert. That yeah, was so much fun. And then when you guys, you guys are like, Hey, we're going to go to the bar. Anybody want to go to the bar with us? And it's like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> That's was, awesome. It was a cool night, even if that was the scariest hotel I've ever stayed in. What was the hotel? I'm trying to remember this. So event. we ended up we ended up staying at a Nights Inn, like down the street from where you guys stayed, because we had made reservations there. And when we called to check on our reservations, they're like, "Oh no, we don't have a room for you." We had gotten uh, kicked off of the block of reserved rooms for the event. So it was like three days before that we suddenly had to find a hotel and oh, it was the nastiest, scariest hotel I have ever stayed in with like the resin where the bullet holes were in the window that they just <laughs> filled in. And I'm like, this is, well, you, in a few of those. Oh, you, did, was, you did say nights in. So yeah, it was a nights in. it was brutal. Never seen one of those. I mean, we're never going to get sponsored by them, but that's okay. But uh, <laughs> it was one of those spots that now with my kid, there was no, there's no way we would have stayed there. But when it was just me and right. John, it was the, yeah, we'll be okay. Right. So Robert, one of the things I, I find most interesting about your band, about you and your band is, well, it, it's more than just a band. This is a brand, not a band. This is a brand really, in my opinion. And a simple view of your website uh, really shows that to be true. I mean, you got music, you've got game like board games, board games that tie into your music, books that mm -hmm. tie into your music. You've got merch, you've got all these different things. Whole role playing oh. game series. He's got a whole yeah. yeah. The airship yeah. pirates yeah. game is fun. 
Yeah, it was very impressive to me as I was going through your website, all the different things that you've tied back into your music. And I, and I so kudos to you for, for having the vision to do that. But it also made me wonder if playing music was no longer an option for you, for whatever reason, what other creative avenue would you continue to pursue? Well, I would look for a really tall bridge. I'd stand at the edge of the bridge and just close my eyes. Now, I don't know. Um, uh, that That is a horror story for me. I do not like to fantasize about. Now, if you said you can't do this anymore, but you're guaranteed at least that amount of success in one of these other things. I don't know, maybe maybe an author, because it's it's still daydreaming and it's still making stories. And sure. so I could, I could see doing that. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, there, there's, there's other things that may not push the same buttons that writing music pushes for you. But still, like you said, it's still storytelling. So, you know, to me, that kind of makes sense to be an author, yeah. to, to do something along those lines. Uh, you know, God I forbid mean, that day would ever come, but I'm just, I was just thinking off the top of my head, boy, that'd be kind of an interesting question to ask him. Yeah. I think when it comes down to it, the first and biggest joy that I get out of it is the sitting alone, imagining the thing that I'm going to make, um, whether that be a, a song or a novel or a musical, that's the huge excitement. But then performing live in front of people is an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd hate to give that up, but I mean, pretty much have had to give that up for the last two years. So, you know, fingers crossed things are coming back. So I hadn't thought about the, the live streaming performances, not really getting the same feedback that you do with a live performance. We're facing a wall. We're facing a wall of cameras and TVs where we're looking at ourselves. And I mean, to be used to a live band on a stage in front of like thousands of people and the song ends and there's this, huge roar of applause versus in the studio the song ends and it's quiet and you hear the guitar player cough into his sleep you know it's like it's it's such a different vibe and we're constantly trying to sort of manufacture a feeling like we know the fans are out there um mm-hmm. and and we you know at through our periphery we can see a computer screen where people are commenting and little hearts are coming mm-hmm. up on a little a little chat feed but it is very, very weird to get the same vibe. We've, I've actually been thinking, wondering if I could fit just like eight seats in the studio so some fans could actually come and sit live with us during the shows. That'd be cool. You know, yeah, that would be really cool. The only problem with that is if they get really shy and nervous and they sit there and they're like hiding, <laughs> then it could, it could actually suck energy out right. of performance. So that's yeah. You just have to bring the the the, the right loud people. So I I volunteer John yeah. Kathleen and I. Wrong. Yeah, John, right. John John Kathleen and I would come join you. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> jovial like people dancing in their seats and stuff that would work. Oh, um, you give me enough Guinness need, that anything happens. You need so, just a room full of toddlers. <laughs> room so, full of toddlers will good. keep you entertained. <laughs> That'll be the the energy you need. Yeah. So Fantastic. you know. Listening to your answer, you know, about the difference between a live show and the and the streaming show, it's kind of interesting for me to hear it from your perspective, because now from a fan perspective, I, I did, a, you know, watch a couple of live streaming concerts and and having gone to many concerts over the years, it is a completely different feel for, for the fans as well, because my family is used to hearing me sing along uh, loud and off key, uh, you know, but it's I miss the, that feeling at the concert, singing along with the other thousands of people that are there and enjoying the 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 sound of the, you know, and the 
the roar of the crowd when it starts up. It's it's a chill for me as 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 a you know a, a patron to go there and, and be part of that experience. Absolutely. Well, and I love to go to see live bands, but I actually most evenings will put a live concert on the TV. Like if I'm out on the barbecue making dinner for the family, I'll put on some concert up on the television and be watching, you know, the band on the screen. So I kind of had it built in that for some people that works for them as well. Uh, the other thing is, is, and I've heard this from a lot of fans, um, some people really don't want to be a part of a big crowd, whether mm -hmm. it be that they have social anxieties or maybe they have some sort of a medical condition where they can't get out. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know, thank you for bringing this experience into my house because I can't go in those other places. Right. So if the future is a blend of those things where we, we still do the streaming concerts for people who enjoy that, but we also do the in-person concerts for people who want mm -hmm. that experience, then for the first time we will have covered everybody. Yeah. I think that's a definite possibility, you know, to have that hybrid experience where, you yeah. know, those who are able or want to be able to go to a live in-person experience can experience that. But now you've also opened that door, right? You have the ability to now allow people to experience it from the safety of their own home if they're unable to go out and about. Yeah. And Absolutely. I mean, I loved, I love the streaming concerts because I don't have to go and do, and I love going and doing, and I love being with people and crowds. And, but there was also something really nice about watching your live stream concert, laying in my bed, in my pajamas, eating popcorn. Like, yeah, that was spectacular. <laughs> like my yeah, you kid wear was your pajamas asleep. to the concert and the drinks are way cheaper. Right. My kid Dude. was asleep. I knew that she was okay. <laughs> I wasn't worried about, are things going okay with the babysitter is, whatever yeah. happening no i i've had you the can monitor set your next own volume to levels too like a, a lot of people i've gone and seen uh friends bands and walked out and my ears rang literally for months after mm -hmm. this one concert and that sound guy was not the best but you know here i am trying to support these these uh, other bands in the scene and now i'm losing my hearing because of it you know right so there is a there is a bit of a benefit to people who are worried about those kind of things and just want to put the volume where they want to put it right Absolutely. It is a cool best of both worlds sort of thing. Yeah. I'm curious to see where this all goes in the future and, and how this all this blends together. Cause I think, I think we're getting there. All right, Robert, we got one final question for you. We call okay. it our silly question. Okay. So you can answer this as serious or silly as you see fit. All right. So if you were shipwrecked on a deserted Island and all your basic human needs were cared for, such as food, food, water, shelter, uh, all those things were taken care of. What two things would you have to have with you? This ukulele mm -hmm. that I nice. bought in Maui. Because I, I write most of my songs off of this. I would need this ukulele and something to record it. Um, because then I could still write music. That's awesome. Fantastic. All right. So, that's my answer. Sorry, that was, a, that was a serious answer. Um, no, that's totally fine. No, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a good answer. Because I was thinking about some type of solar powered charger and an iphone because my ah, iphone because and I, I will tell both of your wives later that neither one of you said to your wife well, <laughs> well, I, just, I didn't say a I, person was an opportunity i assumed she was with me <laughs> love you honey smoochy smoochy uh, <laughs> both in trouble you know robert thank you so much for being on the show with us today where can thank our you, viewers robert. and our listeners go to find out more about your work and the wonderful things that you've got coming out abneypark.com and that'll lead you to everywhere else youtube and whatnot but abneypark.com awesome we will definitely link your website and 
you know, people look it up, go, go to the website, check out his other work. And especially check out Giants of Iron and Steam when it's released on May 27th. You're going to love it. Absolutely. He's put his heart and soul into this. You're going to love it. Yeah. We also want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Captain Robert of Abney Park here to today with us uh, to have these great conversations for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps well more than we can ever mention. And please go check out abneypark.com. Go buy Giants of Iron and Steam. And remember, kids, pop culture, it's all around you. It influences every single thing we do in life. So make sure that you're back here next week because we're going to have your fix waiting right here for you on Pop Culture Addicts. Thanks Thanks again, again, Robert. Robert. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCAPodshow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at PCAPodshow at gmail.com.